Welcome to Exhibition and Xbox Podcast, episode number 84. My name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to 2023. That's right, it's the first episode of the new year, and this officially marks the third calendar year that I've been doing this show. So thank you guys for three incredible years. And before we dive into today's main topic, which is my five most anticipated games of 2023, I did want to just take a moment and say thank you so much for the incredible support throughout 2022. It was absolutely mind-boggling to see so many people coming to the channel through shorts or through the podcast or through TikTok or Instagram to find the content that I make and to really enjoy it. And we've built an incredible community over the course of the past year, and the growth has been absolutely phenomenal. And I cannot wait to ramp it up even more in 2023 with live streams, more shorts, more podcasts, more guests on podcast. I'm starting to put the bones together for what I want to do in the year ahead, so I'm very excited for for once in store. But as far as today's show goes, we are talking about my five personal most anticipated games of 2023 because this year is lining up to be an absolutely massive year. In a way, 2023 kind of feels like the comeback year from COVID, where we've been seeing a lot of games impacted and pushed back because of the impact that the pandemic had on development. But now we have an entire year filled with games And even just the first six months is insane. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Here are my five most anticipated games of the new year. Let's start off with Assassin's Creed Mirage, because this is the most exciting Assassin's Creed game in recent memory for me personally, because of my taste when it comes to Assassin's Creed games. The past three games, Valhalla Origins and Odyssey, have all been these big, open-world, 100-plus-hour experiences that are huge RPGs with big branching skill trees. It's a lot to take in. And don't get me wrong, I enjoy that kind of experience, and it packs a lot of bang for your buck into the game that you're buying. But... As somebody who doesn't have a ton of time to game, that's a lot, especially whenever we have tons of games coming out. Game Pass is continually bringing new experiences to us. It's just a lot to dig into something that has that much content in it. In comparison, the older Assassin's Creed games, the OG Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, 3, 4, all of those, those are the ones that kind of kept the story a little bit more linear. They still had these open worlds, but the combat was pared back, and it really kind of got you through the story at a decent click, and it didn't have as much content as these newer Assassin's Creed games, but it still packed a punch, delivered a good gaming experience, and that's what I think we're going to be getting with Mirage. This is a game that stars Basim from Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and it takes place in a setting that's similar to what we saw with the original Assassin's Creed. So it gets back to those roots. The gameplay is supposed to be paired back heavily in comparison to the combat that we have in Valhalla Origins and Odyssey. And on top of that, this is a budget title, and I'm using air quotes around budget because it is priced at 50 bucks if you want to pre-order in comparison to the 60 or $70 kind of experience that is pretty much typical in today's day and age. 
Now, with that purchase comes about a 20 to 30 hour story is what we're hearing, uh, which is perfectly fine by me. And so if we have a streamlined Assassin's Creed experience brought back into the mainstream, my hope is that people jump on this, love the cadence of the game, love the punch that it packs and the budget value that it delivers. And then maybe we'll see more of these Assassin's Creed experiences going forward. Uh, Right now, it's certainly giving off a standalone DLC that grew to be too big and they cut it off into its own game, uh, which is perfectly fine by me. So for all of those reasons, Assassin's Creed Mirage is an incredibly exciting game that I'm looking forward to in 2023. And of course, the future of Assassin's Creed is looking bright with plenty of new games on the way as revealed earlier this year, including the one set in feudal Japan. I mean, come on, who couldn't be excited about that? Next up, we have Diablo 4 over at Blizzard, and this is one that I'm very excited about, but I have not been a Diablo fan for long. In fact, I just started playing Diablo earlier this year with Immortal. Now wait, don't judge me. Don't post your angry comment yet. I appreciate the patience. I started playing with Immortal. Then I kind of moved into Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls on the Xbox Series X when I wanted a little bit more. Loved the story in that, loved the gameplay in that, and so now I'm excited for 4. But what 4 is bringing that 3 did not have is a much deeper, darker kind of setting and tone like what we saw with Diablo 2. And if you go back and you compare gameplay from Diablo 2 Resurrected and Diablo 3, you'll certainly see a lot of differences. It seems like it's much more geared towards that casual audience. It's almost like it's built kind of for a teenager if you look at the aesthetic of Diablo 3. And so Diablo 4 is getting much darker with the way that it looks. It's getting much more uh, mythic, if you will. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it. Uh, But even the description on the games page says it all. It reads, the endless battle between the high heavens and the burning hells rages on as chaos threatens to consume sanctuary. With ceaseless demons to slaughter, countless abilities to master, nightmarish dungeons, and legendary loot, this vast open world brings the promise of adventure and devastation. Survive and conquer darkness or succumb to the shadows. All of that sounds great to me. And so you bring in a darker setting, you bring in that stellar Diablo gameplay, combine them together, and you've got something special. The key is that they have to be fair with the monetization. Don't bring in skins, don't bring in loot boxes, just be fair about it, bring some expansions, and give the players what they want. So this is one that I'm looking forward to. It's coming out on the Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, and of course on PC via Battle.net with an open beta coming in 2023. But you won't have to wait too long because it launches on June the 6th. Next up, we've got Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League coming from Rocksteady. And that's exactly why it's number three on my list of most anticipated games for this coming year is because it is coming from Rocksteady. This is the first real Rocksteady game that we've seen since 2015's Arkham Knight. And of course, last year we had Gotham Knights and it received middling reviews. It is the definition of a seven, in my opinion. It is nothing more, nothing less. The story gets the job done. The gameplay gets the job done, but it didn't blow anyone's mind. And of course, that one was not a true quote-unquote Arkham game, and by true I mean it wasn't developed by Rocksteady. Now, we see Rocksteady releasing Suicide Squad Kill of the Justice League, so the question is, can they deliver on the elevated expectation that their name brings? Because people are talking about this like it's going to be the next Arkham Knight, like it's going to be the next Arkham franchise. And so what I'm excited to see is Rocksteady kind of given the reins to do something that's not just a 
uh, regular kind of templated Batman game like we saw them getting into the rhythm of with Arkham City and Arkham Knight. Now we have a new cast of characters, a new story to tell, but you still bake in those key DC elements like Batman, like Flash, and you start to take down the Justice League as the name implies. So the premise of the game sounds exciting, the promise of Rocksteady coming back into the limelight is exciting, and the gameplay itself, I mean, come on. It looks really good. So this one is one that I'm certainly looking forward to when it launches in 2023 for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC as a fully current-gen exclusive, no Xbox One or PlayStation 4. Coming in at number two, we have Starfield from Bethesda Game Studios. And this is so high on the list because I am incredibly curious about the final experience that Bethesda is going to deliver with this one. Because this is the first new franchise from Bethesda in 25 years. This isn't an Elder Scrolls. This isn't a Fallout. This is something that is entirely new. But I think a lot of people are pretty hesitant on this one. Starfield has a lot of hype leading up to its release. But looking at the gameplay from last year's Xbox Game Showcase, it does look a lot like No Man's Sky combined with Fallout. It's got the No Man's Sky mining and scavenging combined with the combat of Fallout. Again, going back and checking out the gameplay, the world looks like it's much more planned and fleshed out. But I'm curious what that final experience on day one is really going to feel like. What is the goal of this game? Is it going to be Fallout in space, ultimately, even if they say that's not what it's going to be? And I think that only time will tell here. But I will say I'm confident in the little lore pieces they've been putting out. Clearly, there's a lot of thought and a lot of passion that has been put into this world, and it's been in the works for quite some time. I think the most exciting part about Starfield for me is the potential for this to be the birth of a new Elder Scrolls or a new Fallout or even just completely separating it from those Bethesda games. This could be the birth of something that is a new peak when it comes to gaming. Will they be able to hit it? Again, only time will really tell. Story aside, I also have questions about the performance of this game because we did see some early gameplay shown off at last year's Xbox Game Showcase, but it was running at 30 frames per second. And we're talking about a game that has been pulled off a PlayStation and that has officially been made an Xbox Series X and S console exclusive. So does that mean that they're spending some time to optimize it? Will there be a performance mode on the Xbox Series X? Because we saw huge backlash when A Plague Tale and Gotham Knights were both locked at 30 on consoles and those were multi-platform games. I'm very curious what the final product is going to look like, uh, but we do not have a definitive release date yet for this one, or do we? Just double-checked, and we do not have a definitive release date for Starfield right now, but it is slated for the first half of 2023. However, recent rumors have said that Redfall is now scheduled for May, although that has not been confirmed. So are they really going to release Redfall and Starfield so close to each other, or has something changed on the back end? A really good question to ask there. But hopefully, we'll see more in the first couple of months as Xbox delivers on their promise to have an exciting 2023 ahead. And finally, we have Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And this is one that has an incredible amount of potential because of what Fallen Order was able to deliver when it released a couple of years ago. And in my opinion, Star Wars The Force Unleashed and The Force Unleashed 2 walked 
so that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor could run. Back in the day, The Force Unleashed presented an entirely unique story that was built out in the Star Wars universe that was all-encompassing. It had key characters that we all know and love, or potentially hate, uh, from Star Wars baked into this unique narrative that had not been seen anywhere else. It wasn't a game based off of a movie or a TV show or a Clone Wars game or anything like that. It had its own story that fleshed out an entirely separate part of the Star Wars universe. Now, we have Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Star Wars Jedi Survivor that's doing that on a completely different scale. It's got incredible visuals, it's got incredible combat, and it really is doing something that I think the Star Wars universe has needed for a long time. Not to mention, Cal Kestis as a protagonist was a fantastic move, the actor behind that role is wonderful, and the supporting characters are great as well. But from the gameplay itself... Uh, to the visuals, to the uh, full narrative that Fallen Order delivered. If Survivor is able to capture that and amplify it on a totally different level, we're in for a treat when this one launches in March. Uh, my only request is that they change how that endgame map works, because I think we can all agree that could potentially go down in history as the worst endgame map of all time. Now that's just my personal list of my top five games I'm looking forward to in 2023, and there are some hard choices to make there. If I'm talking about the stuff that I'm excited for the first six months, of course, Dead Space Remake is going to have to be at the very top of that list, but it's a very exciting 2023 ahead. I mean, just glancing at the entire list, we finally see the release of Skull and Bones. Who knows what that's going to end up being, but we also have Baldur's Gate 3, Resident Evil 4 Remake, we have Street Fighter 6, Alan Wake 2, the list goes on. I mean, we are looking at a stellar lineup in 2023. But let me know down below what games are you looking forward to? What games should I add to my list to play? Because it just keeps getting longer. But 2023 is shaping up to be the best year in gaming that we've had in a while. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you enjoyed from 2022 and what your most anticipated game is in the coming year. But that wraps it up for today's show. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. A bit of an unusual episode, but one that I thought would be fun to start off the new year. And of course, plenty of good episodes are coming along the way. So stay tuned. If you're new here, be sure to hit that subscribe button. But until next time, you have a great one. Enjoy the new year and keep on playing.